This is the Love Your Team podcast, where we discuss strategies for sales managers to retain top talent and build high-performing teams. I'm your host, Helen Finucci. I've been leading and managing teams for over 25 years. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we are talking about data and how to use data to build strong team cultures. Some of you may already be doing this and thinking about it, maybe through employee survey results, or maybe you use data to inform your coaching. Joining me today is Janie Wall, Vice President Banking Sales and Business Development at Defense Storm. Janie joined Defense Storm in November 2020 with over 15 years of technology sales experience. Welcome, Janie. I'm so delighted to have you as a guest. Well, thank you so much for having me, Helen. Excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, let's get into it. So tell me a little bit about your role in your team and company. Absolutely. So I'm a sales leader here at Defense Storm, and there's two teams that I work really closely with. One is a sales development team of reps, and the other is sales executives. It's interesting, both of these teams need similar but different things, so it makes the day fun. And about the company at Defense Storm, we're a cybersecurity, cyber compliance, and cyber fraud company that's built specifically for banking. And here at Defense Storm, we were built to serve regional and community financial institutions. What I love about it is these financial institutions were built to serve their communities and to provide a different banking experience to keep the human element in a facet of life that's so important, which is our finances. So the community we serve aims to serve their communities. And it's really important that we provide the type of experience that they want to provide. Wow. I love that. I sometimes say that managers need to model the behaviors that they want to see of their teams. And it sounds like you're really incorporating and kind of living that idea. For our customers and potential customers to believe and to trust that we have their best interest and do what we say we're going to do, we have to, I believe, treat them the way they want to be treated and the way they want to treat their customers. And you can't do that inauthentically and be successful. So what does that mean for you in terms of your leadership with your team? How do you interact with your team? And talk a little bit about that. Sure. When it rolls up to the corporate goals of your why, why are you doing what what are you doing? Why are we doing what we're doing, right? Simon Sinek talks about this all the time. Right. And we talk about building a community of trust to help our financial institutions grow and thrive. But that trust really has to be earned every step along the way. And these are the conversations that we have all the time as a sales team is that it's not just join Defense Storm and you're part of the community of trust. It's how do we build trust in every single interaction that we have with every person that we meet with. And that comes from truly understanding what is the personal impact of their decision? What is the personal impact for them choosing us over someone else? And to really build that trust, it's basic human principles of building trust be authentic, be vulnerable, admit mistakes, be honest. Uh, These are core competencies that 
you have to do to build true trust with another human being. And that has to be woven into every step of our sales process. Wow. Fascinating. How do you prioritize when you think about the results you have to produce? How do you prioritize where you focus with your team and how you look at your business? Mm, that's a great question because, you know, you can be pulled in so many different directions and so many different priorities. I think what it comes down to, which leads to the essence of this podcast, is how do you look at data? in order to prioritize and about delivering those results. And when I'll give you an example, um, right? In building the SDR team here, at the end of the day, it's about booking meetings to generate revenue. But when I look at what do you prioritize in building that team, ensuring that they're delivering results, I'm so protective of the culture of that team. You know, they support one another, they're positive. Um, And on tough days when meetings aren't coming, they find ways to help each other get above the line again. So things when prioritizing results is celebrating a rescheduled meeting, overcoming a tough objection, and feeling like they've had success in reducing the fear factor and turning that into curiosity. And this really shows up in data, right? So what are the key indicators that we're doing the right things, we're doing the right things right in that. And so you look at what what do we need to do in one month, next month, the month after, the next quarter, and not just about the immediate, but the long-term. And what are the things that you can do every single day to impact results? So when looking at that, it could be that, especially with sales executives, right? When you're looking at that team of results, It could be that they are having a great month in terms of producing and developing opportunities, but it's about consistency and predictable revenue. So how do you ensure that you're delivering the best success? So it's really made for myself, I believe in looking at specifically with a sales executive, the sales funnel from top to bottom and anchoring in those KPIs that you can stay focused really on the task at hand rather than getting sidelined by all of the other priorities. And it's asking yourself, you have corporate goal set is, is what I'm doing aligning to the goals to be able to make an impact and drive my success and the organization's success. Well, you've said a lot right there, and there's so many directions that we we could take the conversation, but I'll I'll stick with the data side. You talked about generating predictable business results, and it Mm -hmm. seems like that's the holy grail sales managers are aiming for to have not only pipeline building, but delivering and closing. You also talked about KPIs. So what do you look at in your KPIs and with your team to create a predictable business? We're measuring every part of the sales funnel. Of course, as many organizations are and do. And when we're looking at these results to drive the business, it's really about digging into the data and digging into the science to be able to exercise the art of sales. And so... When looking at this data in a data-driven culture, and when you look at KPIs, for example, we're looking at a rep has X amount of meetings scheduled. How many of those turn into opportunities? 
right? And if one rep is converting 70% of their meetings to opportunities and another rep is converting 40%, the question is why, not how come, right? Not why aren't you doing more, but what's happening in your conversations with our potential customers? What's happening in the type of financial institution you're speaking to and the type of role that you're speaking to that may be different from someone else? So it's really digging into the whys of those key performance indicators of how many meetings are we having? How many of those are turning into opportunities? How many of those opportunities are moving through the funnel and closing at what we historically know to be true? And how can we improve that? So we're always looking at those KPIs from scheduling meetings to holding meetings to generating opportunities and to moving those through the funnel in a predictable way to be able to be successful at the end. So it's also, if I'm hearing it correctly, it also provides lots of, I would say, micro opportunities for coaching along Mm. the way. Is that how you connect the culture to the data? Talk a little bit more about that too. Yes. So the culture in this data, data is numbers are just numbers without a story behind them. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And when we spoke before, we spoke about how to use that data to incite curiosity. And in my opinion, numbers should be used and metrics should be used to ask questions, to understand the why. And when building a company, there's smart people with smart teams and many ideas. One of the traits I love about being here is that people are really willing to color outside the lines to support the company goal, our why and the why of our customers. And really data gives you the ability to put fear of failure aside, to try another strategy or to try another approach. And it really gives everyone a seat at the table. Wow. So it really sounds like you approach this with kind of a growth mindset, a learning mindset, and as a partner with your sellers to dig in and figure this out together. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about this with my team all the time when talking about um, coaching, right? And as a sales leader, I believe my role is to remove any barriers to success. So I say to people I work with, your role as a sales executive and mine as a sales leader, we are all humans with different roles and different responsibilities where one isn't any more important than the other. They are just different, And to create a culture of psychological safety, really so that each person can bring their best selves to work and be their best selves. And so when looking at data and really having honest, open conversations in a safe space with people, they'll be more honest with me and I'll be able to be more honest with them to truly be able to help drive success right? We all work to live our life and to live our best life. We spend a lot of time at work. And so it's really important for me to be able to work in a space where I work with great people that can always bring their best selves to work. And part of that is coaching, right? Not one person has all the answers. And when there's a culture of sharing and collaboration and a safe space to share successes and failures, then you can really target your coaching to the areas where people need a little bit more support and you can collaborate and strategize and then let them run with the things they are already great at. 
Great. Sounds like kind of leveraging their strengths. Earlier, you mentioned that your team helps each other out a lot. And Mm -hmm. often teams are really teams in name only because everyone has their own territory and patch, if you will. So how are you fostering that collaboration and motivation to help each other across the team? That part has to live within every facet of the company. It's about engaging with executives to engage with their executives and really not making it any harder to sell internally than it is externally. Oh, amen. Mm, That is the most frustrating (laughs) thing when you have to sell harder internally than externally. And everyone in this company, every leader in this company will collaborate and do what it takes to solve problems, help share with what we're doing and what we can provide. And everyone is willing to have that conversation. And so when you have a collective group of people, that that's what they believe is a core value of what we do and how we do it. And that just doesn't stop in the sales process. That's how we behave after someone becomes a customer. So it's really important that you know, we'll do deal strategy calls with everyone from the CEO of the company to the rep to the sales engineer, just simply to brainstorm, to de-risk deals, to come up with new strategies and have an open conversation around it. To have sales team meetings where sales reps are participating in the agenda. So we aren't just telling them what needs to be done, but we are collaborating about what needs to be done to move the needle. So it's in every interaction that you have. It's in every meeting that you have. It's saying yes when someone asks for help, right? And really, that really bleeds throughout our entire company. So it really is about, I believe, having people that have a similar core value of collaboration and knowledge sharing that creates that across the entire organization. What sounds like your company has an amazing culture. Have you had much turnover? Do you have talent retention Mm -hmm. challenges like is happening so many places? We absolutely have like any other place. And especially um, in with the talent shortage, it's such a real challenge today. And especially in a space where cybersecurity expertise is a global gap of over three and a half million people, you know, culture plays such a very real role in attracting and retaining top talent. It requires being brutally honest during the interview process to have people truly understand what life is like here. And it's as much of a match for them as it is for us. So yes, we have definitely experienced attrition. We are a growing company that moves quickly and changes often and it impacts retention. But I believe, you know, with a team that aligns to core values and common goals, when we have clarity in terms of how we're charging and what your mission is and how you want to do it, then you can really bring in the people that match that. And it's a match for them, right? That want to work in an eight-year-old company that's a startup and likes change. Everyone says they like change or they're okay with it until change actually happens. And that's always the hardest part to manage. Yes. Yes. People, it's always an adjustment, but if we're not changing, then we become irrelevant too. 
but that context for change is so critical, I think, in terms of helping the team understand that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think when you miss on change management, then you miss on retention. And only sometimes through failure or missing on retention can you adjust to improve. Uh, so say more about that. When you miss on change management, you miss on retention. What kind of strategies or what actions does that suggest then you need to do differently to close the gap of quote unquote missing on change management? I think one of the biggest things is understanding why there was a miss, understanding what you didn't provide that needed to be provided, having those open, honest conversations with your team and listening, not critically listening, but active listening to what they're saying so that they feel heard, so that their voice is heard, knowing that they're important. And and like I said earlier, giving them a seat at the table. So what was the miss in change management? What didn't sit well? What did sit well? And really having those open, honest conversations with them so that you do it differently the next time. Mm -hmm. What do you find as the top motivators for your team? What causes them to stay or leave? Because a lot's been written that motivations of employees have changed as a result of COVID. And I'm just curious what you're finding. I think the motivators to stay are when you believe that what we're doing, what the company is doing, whichever company you're a part of, you can emotionally attach yourself to. And I always joke about this and I joke about this with the sales team. People don't get into sales for a base salary. People get into sales for a commission check and not exclusively, but That's what we're all charging towards. But you can go to companies with the largest commission checks. And if you don't have a good culture, people will leave anyway, right? People will accept, I think the stat is 30% less pay for a culture that they believe in and a place they want to work. And so for our sales team, it's one, making sure they can be successful and see that path to success. And that means for us as leaders also adjusting our strategic approach to what's happening in the market, what's happening in the sales team, and then for to be able to see those changes. So again, that their voice is heard, feeling like they're winning, like they're part of a team. I would say sales culture takes care of itself when you're closing deals, <laughs> right? Where you need to take care of sales cultures when you're not closing deals. And wouldn't it be nice where we all lived in a world we were consistently closing deals? but there's pressure in sales for a reason. So what happens when a rep or a team is struggling, right? To close business or they haven't closed business in a little while, that's the time when culture is really important. And those are the times I believe where you need to anchor in yourself, anchor yourself in the things that matter to keep people so that you're celebrating the small wins. They can still see a path to success. There's still light at the end of the tunnel. And that takes conscious and consistent priority and effort. Um, and to have honest conversations like saying, what's happening? You're not your normal self. Or you, that call didn't seem like it was normally the way you would handle it. What's up? And mm-hmm. actually caring about it, the answer. Yeah, right, right, right. So if a seller is struggling in that they're not closing a lot of business. 
does this also go back to where you look at the data and the incremental, Mm -hmm. if you will, are they doing the right things, but something's not happening? Or how how do you diagnose the small wins, if you will? Yeah, great question. The small wins when you diagnose them is even the sound of their voice on a call, right? Kind of like the intangibles in that. And looking at the data and saying, you typically can convert, for example, 70% of your intro meetings into an opportunity. But this month, you're at 50%. Help me understand why that is, right? What's going on? Well, either personally or professionally, that may be impeding them to get there. Is it something in their approach? Is it something personally? I think it's being genuinely curious about and a sufficient amount of curiosity about what is driving that metric. But to always be rooted in metrics takes the feeling out of the fact, right? Or fact over feeling. And so a rep may feel a certain way, but the data will set you free in the fact base of it. So for example, a rep may say, well, people just really aren't wanting to schedule a meeting this week. Well, let's go back and listen. Let's go back and listen to the excitement in your voice. Does it sound like you're smiling? Does it sound like you're talking to another human and not just through the phone? It's those intangible things that the art of the sale that aren't the metrics but you use the metrics to get to the art, if that makes sense. Oh, this is so good. Because you're what you're talking about is the kind of the juxtaposition of the data, the culture, and for you to be able to have those authentic conversations means you would have had to already have built some level of trust and relationship mm-hmm. so that you can kind of really get underneath what's going on. Cause often, I mean, so much of conversation and tone and results is in people's heads, so to speak, meaning maybe they're, they've had a personal situation that is on their mind and preventing them from being their best. So I love that kind of, um, interplay between looking at the data, the facts of it, but go, Hey, there's, you know, and doing it in a safe way, a safe way that you have their back and you lean in to try to really help them and diagnose it or figure it out together. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when you're having those conversations with the trust factor, people have to genuinely believe you have their best interest at heart. And When I have tough conversations with folks on my team or they're having tough conversations with me, it's not about me or about them in particular, perhaps, but really about them knowing that where I'm coming from is a place of genuinely trying to help them succeed and find their groove and be happy and excited and successful. And that sometimes comes with having tough conversations as well, right? About whatever metric it may be, whether it's effectiveness or effort or whatever facet of that diagnosis would be to the metric. It's funny, I was joking with my team, with the people I work with before coming onto this call. And because it's important to me, 
that when they listen to this, they sure. say that this is authentically who she is and what I experience every day through her actions. And it's not just lip service. You have to live it every single day in every interaction that you have to build that trust with your team so that they will share that with you. So do you have um, measurements or goals for your team or do you evaluate your team outside of quantifiable metrics? Yes, absolutely. You know, when I'm working with the team and we're looking at, you know, yes, you can look at the quantifiable metrics, but it's the small interactions within a conversation, right? Did we ask the tough question or did we let it slide by, right? That's not really measurable in a metric that may produce an end result, but it's really real-time coaching, mm-hmm. being in the deal with the rep, listening to calls and providing feedback, not from a place of persecution, but in a place of support. Mm-hmm. And to ask, you know, did you hear what I heard? Right. But really ensuring, for example, you know, in sales discovery is so important. Everyone knows this. Everyone talks about it. There's hundreds of books written about it. But are you telling someone to ask better questions? Or are you going in and listening to calls with them and asking them what they heard and sharing what you heard and maybe repositioning a question for the next time? Another way that certainly we look at measuring folks outside of metrics is in call preparation, right? Mm. We have these discussions all the time in our, in our one-on-ones of, you know, what is the goal of your call? What type of questions are you going to ask? What type of risk do you see in the deal? What type of questions do we ask to minimize that risk so that you're have more, for lack of a better word, control of the deal, right? You're not guessing, you're not saying, I think, but you're saying, I know, And it's really in those conversations that we have when we're listening to the questions and the responses of the prospect is those measurements of, are we asking the right questions to understand if this prospect is a match for us and if we're a match for them? Sure. We evaluate that often is the type of questions we're asking, how we're asking them, the subtlety of the word choice, the subtlety of the intonation and how you ask a question, these things that don't necessarily show up in a hard metric. Yeah, that's great. So I'm assuming your team is remote because some of the listeners might think, well, how does she get around and have one-on-ones before a call and whatnot? So if you're not co-located, so are your is your team remote or are you co-located? Our sales team is in entirely remote. Entirely remote. That's what I assumed. And so you must be listening to calls or, you know, so you can have that insight. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Listening to calls. Always. I will always be willing to hop on a call and be part of a sales call with a rep. When we have one-on-ones, much to the chagrin of everyone in the world of video meetings, But video meetings are really important in one-on-ones, not just to hear what they're saying, but see what they're saying. And taking time in team calls, not just to talk about data, but 
to develop rapport and trust and relationships. It's even more important in a remote world than it is in working in an office together. You don't have the conversations in the kitchen or stopping by someone's cubicle or office. It's much easier to to build when you're in the same office. Outside of it, it's being available. It's seeing people's face. You can see and they can see you vice versa, can see your reaction, right? So much of um, communication is body language. And so that is a key fact. I like to see the people I'm talking to. I like to read their body language and have them read mine, right? So there's no translation left to happen outside of the words. Makes sense. Makes Mm -hmm. sense. Well, this has been tremendous. So let's leave it there. And as we wrap up this episode, I'd like to thank you. I so appreciate you being a guest and I've learned so much from you, from, you know, the use of data to inform your coaching and really what it takes to create a team and how the team culture permeates in your company or your company's culture permeates the team. So thank you for listening. And remember, be sure to subscribe to the Love Your Team podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.